Welcome to the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast. I'm Hussam. And I'm Guillaume. In this podcast, we are going through the fundamental concepts of corporate treasury, which I learned from my experience working at a big four consulting company. And he'll explain it in a way that someone like me who knows nothing about the topic can understand. We hope you enjoy the episode. How are you doing, Guillaume? Hello, Sam. All good here. Welcome back to another episode. Thank you. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Not too bad. Nice. Not too bad. Excited to learn more about tr- corporate treasury, as always, Guillaume. I have no doubt about that. I look forward to these uh, expeditions of learning that oh, you give me. Man, that's nice. I have to say, it's seamless for our listeners, but it's been a while uh, since we didn't record, so happy to be here, my man. That's very true. So, today, what are we going over, Guillaume? Today, we are going to talk about funding, which is a part of corporate finance, and we are going to focus on short-term funding. So, let me, let me try and link this back to what we've talked about before. Funding, Please. we reviewed in um, the four pillars of, cor- of corporate treasury, yep. right? Yep. Um, and if I remember right, it's actually directly linked also to one of our previous episodes in cash flow, mm-hmm. right? So, cash flow in cash... Uh, availability, so yep. how much cash you have available. Funding is getting money from external sources, right? Exactly, yeah. So I assume that that helps your cash flow overall. Um, maybe a scenario where you would want that is we talked last time about negative cash flows, right? Mm-hmm. Where you don't have enough cash to pay your suppliers exactly. or to pay your invoices on time. Um, in that scenario, you always told us that um, one of the things that corporates like to do as mm-hmm. a first step, is try to negotiate with people um, above and below them in the supply chain, right? So exactly. if they need to pay their um, suppliers, maybe they negotiate payment terms which are a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if they're waiting for payments, maybe they negotiate to payment terms that are earlier. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So, but that's all negotiation, leveraging your business partnerships, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, can funding help us bridge the gap if that's not possible? Yes, absolutely, it can. And um, you've pointed out quite well. This is something we talked in previous episodes. So for our listeners, a little indication before we start. Um, we highly recommend to listen to the full episode about cash flow forecasting and cash positioning because this is why we are recording this episode today. So this is episode 21 we are just referring to. And if not, at least the episode 18 and 19, which are really the focus on cash flow forecasting and uh, different methods of it. Um, in that in that overall big episode, uh, but indeed, financing or funding can help you when uh, you cannot furthermore negotiate with your suppliers or your clients to have delays or payments earlier from your clients. Um, so you want to raise funds one way or another to fund your company's activity, right? Um, so financing is quite large, and typically we can differentiate it in two categories. Short-term funding, so up to one year. This is really from an accounting perspective. Short-term funding is one year or below. Mm -hmm. And long-term funding or financing, which is obviously more than a year. So it's important to understand the big picture here. So let's tackle first, why would the company did financing? What do you think, Usam? So, I mean, so one of the things is, like I said, right, you have negative cash flow, you need to bridge Mm -hmm. the gap between when you expect to receive payment from your 
customers mm -hmm. when you need to pay your invoices to your suppliers. Yeah. Right. So that might be one. Um, but we've also talked about other examples in previous episodes, like if you need to expand your business, mm -hmm. right? You want to expand into a new territory, for example, a new market. Yeah. Uh, that would typically require a lot of upfront capital, mm -hmm. right? Or upfront investments. Absolutely. Um, maybe you need to open an office, open another branch, uh, set up a new banking system there, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, right. So you mm -hmm. probably need to finance that in some way. Um, perhaps you're just expanding business where you are, right? Uh, you need to buy more machinery. Uh, you want to do more advertising, um, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So anything related to either on the positive side growth, right? Yeah. Or on the negative side, uh, bridging a negative cash flow, I guess. Exactly. Once again, nailing it. So it's very good. You mentioned the two uh, side of funding and financing, short term and long term. Um, so short term, it will typically be what you just said uh, with payroll, taxes, etc. In corporate treasury, uh, we obviously mostly look at short term needs uh, because this is what the group treasurer and the treasury department is typically responsible for. Uh, so this is what we're going to focus on in this episode. But you also mentioned some long-term financing needs, uh, new projects, new branches, important needs of capital to uh, develop your company. And this also has impacts on treasury, actually. Uh, first one is, obviously, there is money coming in at the moment you're funding yourself, and there is money going out when uh, you have to refund it, for instance. Uh, so it has to be taken into account in the cash flow forecasting, typically. Um, now, Related to those uh, funding instruments that we're going to tackle in a second, there is uh, the payment of interest and dividends depending on your source of finance. And this is also something that you need to take into account in your cash flow forecasting and as a whole as your treasury operations. Also, and I know that you uh, like new terms and new concepts, Osam, I want to introduce one new today um, since we are talking about it in this episode. Financing comes with certain conditions um, from the bank and investors. Do you have any idea of uh, which ones this could be? Um, I mean, if you're talking banks, you're talking interest. Obviously, right? yeah. So that must be one for sure. Mm -hmm. um, I know also when you take bigger loans, perhaps you're looking at um, payment terms, right? Yeah. So over which period you're paying back on and what's your um, minimum payment per uh, period of time, mm -hmm. I assume. Yeah. Um, maybe even some collateral, right? Some guarantee. Very like, good. for example, with a mortgage, um, the house that you are mortgaging is usually also the collateral in mm -hmm. that sort of financing arrangement. I yeah. assume companies have something similar with perhaps shares um, or physical assets that they might put up as collateral. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe even upper limit on how much they can they can lend. Awesome. Um, that's, that's the first thing that come to mind. Man, you've tackled them all. Uh, that's exactly it. So for corporates, on top of that, there is just one last, uh, but it's very particular. So banks and potential other investors might also ask for financial covenants. What in the hell is that? So financial covenants are typically financial ratios, and it's allowing the banks to assess the company's financial health. And therefore, is the company going to be able to refund the money it borrowed from the bank or from the investor and also, obviously, pay interest and dividends on time? So, repayments of the interest in a repayment schedule, as you just mentioned, and the debt itself, which we call principal and collateral. Happy you brought that, uh, that word. It's indeed one of the important things to take into account when you look at external funding. 
So what are those ratios which banks look at? Like which metrics are they putting into ratios to gauge whether or not a corporate can pay back its debt? Um, a little bit of accounting, uh, our favorite topic, Sam. Of course. Uh, I knew you couldn't wait for this. So those financial ratios typically are um, a certain debt-to-equity ratio, for instance. How much is borrowed compared to how much equity the company has, so how much the shareholders uh, have put into the company itself. So this is one. Um, investors and banks can also look at certain level of earning before interest and taxes, which we call EBIT, or earning before interest, taxes, depreciations, and amortization, which we call EBITDA. Um, those are really financial terms from the financial statements of a company. It's good to have them in mind already, but let's keep the details for another episode. Other financial ratios can be a certain level of cash flows, for instance. Uh, so typically linked to the cash flow forecasting we just talked about in previous episodes. Uh, companies will look like, okay, what is the average net flow from the company? Is it positive, negative? If positive, how high, etc. Uh, a certain level of operating expenses, for instance. And all this, again, affect the treasury operations and strategy, obviously, um, because corporate treasury and corporate finance are interdependent and need to be driven in the same strategic direction in order for it to be successful and to ensure good ratios for those financial covenants. Okay, so let me summarize what we've talked about until now. So you're saying that funding is directly linked to cash flow, right? And you can have Mm -hmm. short-term funding or long-term funding. Short-term might be to cover some let's say, immediate expenses that perhaps you don't have the cash uh, liquidity to mm-hmm. manage. Exactly. Right? So cash liquidity, we said, was cash availability. Mm-hmm. So um, if your cash liquidity is low or you have a negative cash flow, perhaps yeah. you have its tax season, its bonus season, you have some... Uh, Love those seasons. <laughs> as an employee, yes. Obviously. <laughs> uh, maybe not as a treasurer. Um, so you have... Uh, you know, high periods of outflows mm-hmm. in your uh, balance sheet, right? Yeah. Uh, in, in that specific time period, and you need to cover those via debt, typically from a bank, which come with some um, caveats, of course, like interest rates, payment terms that exactly. you need to consider about, etc. And this new one that you brought us to, which was financial covenants. Exactly. Right? So these ratios. Yeah. Financial ratios, which banks use to assess how much money they're willing to lend and with what terms exactly to the cor- corporate, right? Absolutely. And so some of them, like you said, were EBIT, mm-hmm. that's usually pronounced, right? Earnings before interest and tax uh, or EBITDA. Yes. Right? Earnings before interest, tax, depreciation and amortization. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So these are just like um, predefined ratios which the financial system has already come up with that gauge whether or not what the level of risk of a debt is. Exactly. That's it. Right. Okay. Very clear. So these ratios become very important um, and therefore it's very interesting to manage those to make sure your corporate is always in a position where they have these ratios in a in a positive way yep. that they can have easy access to debt, I assume. Is that the role of the treasurer or more of the CFO? So let's say it's a joint responsibility. Um, the CFO will mostly look at long-term debt, obviously, because he oversees the strategy of the company on the long term from a financial perspective. But the group treasurer has an important role in it, mm. obviously, because of the short-term debt, uh, but also because of the management of the cash flows. A good group treasurer will typically optimize the cash flows, right? Yeah. And make sure that there is as high positive flow as possible, uh, right 
at the limits as we tackled in the previous episodes. And that's all this flow is correctly managed, invested eventually, because this is this can also be taken into consideration. So it's a joint responsibility, I'd say. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. So um, those are, let's say, um, how we cover the, the debts and everything like that, mm-hmm. right? So that's more on the short-term financing side of it, perhaps, maybe even long-term, but I assume the, the long-term, you don't want to have interest looming over you too long, right? So how are other ways that corporates can um, do funding without taking necessarily debt from a bank? There is indeed another option. Um, so a company can borrow money to the shareholders directly or to new shareholders with the issuance of new shares, for instance. Uh, so that will be equity. You wouldn't pay interest on it, but you'd pay dividends. So mm-hmm. what we have to consider anyway when it comes to funding and financing is we will pay it because money has cost, obviously. You want to pay it as low as possible, um, but you will have to pay interest, obviously, right? It's like any other resource that is made available for your company. Um, And then there are the debt instruments. Uh, There are two options to have them. Um, So from the bank, right? You just have one source from the bank that can lend you money through different instruments that we're going to go through in a moment. Or investors on the financial markets, uh, bond is typically a debt in uh, instruments. And on those ones, you pay interest on it. The amount of interest you're going to pay are changing according to which instrument you choose, which is impacted by, for instance, how flexible the money is, uh, for how long it is available, etc. Okay, so what are the different strategies or instruments that you would use starting with short-term funding? So you have short-term need, Mm -hmm. how do you go about doing that exactly from a practical point of view? Because we like to delve into the practicalities as well. Indeed, very true. Um, So let's tackle the first one we just mentioned, right? Uh, The source from the bank or instruments that are issued and managed by the bank. Typically, one of the very common short-term debt uh, instruments you'll have will be an overdraft. So an overdraft is a credit line that is linked to an account And if this account goes below zero because of a transaction, the transaction isn't blocked because usually when you go under zero, your bank blocks the transaction, right? Unless you have another draft linked to it. Um, And again, we talked about this one uh, in episode 21, so we invite our listeners to go to this episode if they want to know furthermore about overdraft. This is typically one of the instruments. Another instrument is a money market loan. This is a short-term loan uh, with a margin based on money market rates. It will typically imply uh, an interest rate benchmark, LIBOR, for instance. Again, we tackled it in a previous episode, if you remember, Hussam. Plus, obviously, the margin of the bank. This will link, obviously, to the interest rates risk management, but this is something else. Another option is a revolving credit facility. This is also a credit line. And here we have an agreed amount of money from which the corporate can tap in at any time. Um, And as money is repaid, the corporate can borrow it again. So typically it will be over a certain period of time. The bank will say, okay, you have X millions of euro available. Draw draw them as you will. Repay them as you will between brackets. For this precise period of time, obviously at the end of the period, the bank expects you to have repaid the money. But this is more or less how it works. And you'll pay interest on the borrowed amount with a fee for the overall amount as well. 
Okay, so from a bank, you can do overdraft, yes. money market loans, or revolving, revolving credit facilities. Exactly. What's called a credit line, right? It is a credit line, it did, uh, but it's a particular one. So credit lines involve several instruments. For the short term, we are talking here about revolving credit facility because it's a very common one. But credit line is more a family of instruments, and revolving credit facility is one of them. Okay, so, but I assume also a good treasurer, like for example, if I have an overdraft, I sometimes accidentally go into mine, right? But yeah. A good corporate treasurer. Do you know? <laughs> but a good corporate treasurer yeah. will know that that's coming up. Exactly. And, and assess if that's really the best strategy to use to cover their cash flow needs or something else, I assume. Indeed. Yeah, right? absolutely. Not, yeah. Claire. Uh, <laughs> we can talk about my personal cash management separately. I'll ask for your advice. Fair enough. You mentioned. Um, Financial markets as yes. well, right? So that's banking. Yeah. How do you do short-term investments or uh, fund short-term needs with financial markets? Indeed. So we are really looking at uh, short-term funding here. Financial markets, man, this is where it becomes interesting. So here, several instruments, and let's take a little bit of time to cover them properly. One of the common instruments um, used for short-term funding is commercial paper. So this is typically a short-term debt instrument issued by corporations. And let's say, we love our example, Hussam. So let's say, Hussam, you need 100 euros, right? Uh, and you want to fund these 100 euros through commercial paper. You will issue one worth 105 euros, but for which you will only ask 100 euros to the investor. And when you repay, let's say in 30 or 60 days, you will repay at full value. This is how this uh, instrument works. And it comes quite handy when you want to finance very short-term needs. It's usually used for payroll, for instance, so the salaries, uh, for account payables, so the supplier's invoice you have pending and you need to pay. Commercial paper is issuance is quite a common instrument. Another one is a repurchase agreement. So this works the same way as a commercial paper. Uh, it involves other intricate debt instruments, but it's much more short-term, so it will typically be overnight or for a couple of days. So typically, you need to get 10 million euros out today, but you'll receive 15 million tomorrow from a pending client invoice. You'll go for a repurchase agreement, typically. Another one is factoring, and this is uh, quite an interesting one. So it is the financing of account receivables. We've tackled them uh, in a previous episode as well. So this is money that is supposed to come in in the near future, but that you want to be financed earlier. Again, let's take an example. Hussam, I really like your car and I want to buy it. Um, and you agree to sell it to me. Let's say 10,000 euros because we are good friends, right? Uh, so you make me an invoice um, when you deliver me the car. But our contract says that I will only pay you 60 days after delivery. But you now have an account receivable and I have an account payable. Problem is, you need the money right now, but our contract stipulates otherwise. So you will go to a factoring company uh, and say, look, this guy owes me 10,000 euros that I receive in 60 days, but I really need money now. So do you agree to buy my account receivable at a discount price? Let's say 9,000 euros, right? So you receive the money now because you agreed on paying on it, having it earlier. This is how factoring works. And how would you decide as a corporate treasurer which one of these you decide to go for? What's the metric for deciding that? 
Very good question again, Sam. Um, so in this situation, you want to look at several different criteria, right? So the first question you have to ask yourself is how much do you need, typically, and how fast? Um, money comes at a cost, right? This cost is impacted by how flexible the money will be. Another draft, typically, is quite expensive uh, because it's like really available right now. You don't have to say to the bank, hey, look, in three days I have this huge payment coming out, going out and I need money. You'll just tap into your overdraft. So it's super flexible uh, and obviously it will be more expensive. The higher the flexibility, the higher the price. Also, the longer term, the more expensive because you um, immobilize money from the bank or from the investor for a longer period of time that they cannot use to do other investments. So the higher the flexibility, the more expensive. The longer the maturity, the more expensive. So it all comes to flexibility. Uh, you'd pick one instrument or the other according to this. Certain instruments impact your ratios, your financial covenants, others don't. Uh, on certain instruments, you pay interest. Interests are tax deductible in most of the countries, so you want to take this into consideration as well. The amount of money that you need is obviously an important criteria, right? An overdraft is super flexible, but will usually not be as important in terms of amount than a revolving credit facility, for instance. Um, and you'd rather go for financial market instruments if you want to pay less interest than uh, to the bank, for instance, because commercial papers... Um, repurchase agreements are typically less expensive in terms of interest usually, uh, but it requires you to have a good credit rate, so good financial ratios in order for the financial market to trust your company to repay the debt. Sorry, that was quite uh, that was quite a lot. Is it clear how you'd select instruments between one another? Yeah, so I mean, going again, short term um, net short term financing. Uh, tools yes. that you could use. We've got the bank, the overdrafts, and the money market loans, and the revolving credit facilities mm -hmm. or other credit lines, right? Yeah. Uh, or on the financial markets, like you mentioned, the commercial paper, uh, the repurchase agreements, or the factoring or using factoring third parties, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and which one you pick is all dependent on your, let's say, overall strategy of. Uh, how quickly do you need it? Is mm -hmm. it a crisis scenario where all of a sudden a huge expense came up that you weren't prepared for and you need maximum flexibility? Yep. Is it something you saw coming ahead of time so you can go for a cheaper option? Um, how good is your corporate treasure in forecasting these needs? Exactly. Right? And exactly. not only looking at the short-term needs of when we need cash, but also how it affects the overall financial covenants. Exactly. Right. The financial yep. ratios of the company and how overall that will set the company up for success in future needs, mm -hmm. uh, etc. Sounds like a very juggling act of everything, right? So it is. And now it becomes more clear how interesting corporate is, right? Because <laughs> yes. it affects the whole financial department of the company and therefore the overall strategy. I mean, of course, every department will say we are the uh, fundamental pillar of the company, but corporate treasury is really... So you look at the operations, obviously, because of the short-term cash flows. You look at the long-term strategy of the finance department in order to make sure you align your strategy on it. So you have always, in most of the decisions you must take, a lot of criteria to take into account, which makes it super complex, but also, and therefore, super interesting. Very much so. I, I'm, I'm certainly f very fascinated by all this. <laughs> as, we didn't expect any less. As are our hundreds of listeners. I hope so. Um, <laughs> now, all of these... Things that you mentioned, again, yeah. involve third parties. Indeed. Right? So it always seems to involve going out of the company and finding someone to give you money um, 
to compensate for your needs, right? Yeah, indeed. Um, is there, can you do that internally somehow? Maybe that's a silly question. That's not a silly question at all, and you absolutely can. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but we talked about uh, the cafe yeah, you were to open. If you my three branches exactly. Let's say you have become even more successful, and now you own cafes all around the world, right? So you have some in Latin America, some in Asia, and the pillar, of course, is in Europe, in our beloved city of Brussels. Uh, it can be that a cafe or several cafes in Latin America are like super successful. So they are really cash-rich. You have a lot of money there. Uh, but the ones in Asia, well, you just arrived. It's not that successful yet. You have good hopes that it will be one day. But they have financing needs. Uh, they are cash-poor between brackets, whereas you have another region which is cash-rich. And so typically what we are describing here is what's the overall group strategy in uh, terms of cash use. It can be that you have a lot of cash in an area and you can use it indeed to fund yourself, fund other entities of the group in another region or even in the same country actually, it can be. Yeah? Uh, but so you don't have to issue external debts that you can fund yourself directly through your group. This has several implications. Uh, Tax-wise, it's um, really a work to pay attention to because you want to make sure you do not pay too much taxes on it. Getting money out of a certain country to finance another company uh, is something that you need to look carefully at, but it's possible. And you also want to make sure you make the right decisions, right? Uh, will the cash be requested in Latin America uh, in the short term or long term? So you want to get it out, yes or no? This is something you need to ask yourself indeed. So linking it back to what we've talked about. So you're, if your total position is positive, yeah, perhaps quite much so, but in the details of that, one region is more uh, cash poor than mm -hmm. another region. You can also internally transfer cash, but this has tax um, implications, for example. Yeah, indeed. Absolutely. But so that raises cash concentration indeed, which is a topic that we're going to tackle in the coming episode. Looking forward to it. Thank you very much, Kim. Thank you, Sam.